Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and today's topic is gender and blindness and visual impairment. And our co-hosts, or my co-hosts, I should say, are John, Jenny, and Nika. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. 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 So maybe before we get started with our topic, we should introduce ourselves, um, our our eye condition, or a little bit about our vision and our gender. So I can start us off. Uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa. So I've I was diagnosed when I was five, and my vision has gradually deteriorated throughout my life. Uh, so was legally blind in childhood, and now am just can see like light perception and little bit of movement and some shadows in my peripheral vision. And I identify as female and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Nika, why don't you go next? Sure. So I was born with Peter's anomaly and essentially I have partial vision mostly in my left eye. I can see shapes, colors, and large objects, but have trouble seeing finer details and I identify as female and my pronouns are also she, her, and hers. Uh, I'm John. I have rod cone retinal dystrophy. I was born with that so I was technically legally blind since birth. I have a a vision in both eyes and I have decent um, peripheral. It's just details from distance and close are hard to see and especially at night or in low light. And I am a male, a man, and um, it is he, him, his. Hello, everyone. I'm Ginny. I have bilateral microphthalmia. So when I was born, my eyes were not fully developed and leaving me um, completely blind with prosthetic eyes. I am a female. I identify as a woman. And my pronouns are also she, her, and hers. So why did we want to talk about this topic? I think there were several reasons we wanted to touch on this topic. Um, Not only because as someone who is blind, learning about gender and gender soul may be a little bit different, but also because when you have blindness, are you treated differently um, if you're a blind woman, for example, or if you're blind and identify as a different gender, so based on your gender coupled with our blindness. We're really, we're talking about our, our gender specifically, but we do recognize that there are more than two genders. Um, okay. But for the purpose of this conversation, we're referring to female and male because that's our experience. Okay, so let's start with how do we know somebody's gender when we can't see? I mean, what do we go, you know, I'm assuming, well, maybe we'll start with um, John and Nika. 
with partial sight, how much of somebody's gender can you see? Or, yeah, or, so yeah. Um, I would like to acknowledge that um, these obviously aren't good markers to go by just because like, you know, people can look and present however they want. Um, and it is something I'm trying to work on is not assuming, but generally what I go by and what I've been taught is that um, females always have long hair um, and males have short hair. Another thing are clothes. So um, like when I see a dress or a skirt, um, I typically think female as well and certain patterns and certain like styles, of sleeves and collars and necklines. Is that the same for you, John? Generally, yeah, most of those, even, but even for me, I do somewhat with voice or, uh, and some body, um, like, heights. Yeah. But it's, there are some, there, the, I can say there are very few times where I've gotten it wrong. And those are the, that's when it's, then you're, you're kind of just like, you're, either you, if you've been introduced to someone, and you're trying not to defend them, you try and ask the person that introduced you, if it's your friend, the same, just to make sure. Because I have met a few people that I wasn't like they, or I even had to explain to me after, like even when they did their introductions, like they they would explain that right away. I'm like, okay, that makes things simple. But in general, yeah, that's the short hair, the long hair, clothes and stuff like that. Though that being said, right now my hair is kind of long, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had enough vision that I could rely on. Well, yeah, if someone has really long hair. I could probably tell that, but I don't, you know, I've never been able to see the whole picture. So I could, it was, for me, it was like looking through a toilet paper roll. So if I was focused on somebody's face, I can only see one feature at a time. So to be able to check out what they're wearing, I tended to go based on like, what color is your jacket? And that's how I recognize you in the playground, not what, what, what's below the jacket. Are you wearing a skirt or a dress or what kind of shoes like so like the sound of somebody's shoes or a perfume a smell of perfume or something with a, a woman versus a man you could tell certain things in the way people walk um but i don't think i really based my assumption on what anything i could see i think it's always been kind of through my other senses what about you jenny i agree and i think i just want to say to you that Unfortunately, this is just what we are taught um, is to just look for either fail, female or male. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I was always taught like this is how it is. And people with uh, higher this type of voices are female. People like this are male. And I think when you're blind or, you know, sometimes even partially sighted, you don't know what other genders and things are out there because you can't see all of that. You maybe not be exposed to all of that um even how people are dressing like you know we've seen like as a kid barbies i've seen barbies i've seen things like that but outfits dresses some women don't even wear dresses now things are changing and i think that's hard for me keeping up with all of that i've just known what i know and kind of going off that is really hard especially because i'm a total blind person so i usually go off a of voice um, again, that's assumption of only female or male that we, you know, make. Um, or I just sometimes I've asked my friends. I've said I can't figure this out. Um, mm -hmm. Or I've asked a person. I, you know, I met actually someone who was in the process 
they were male, but they were transitioning to female, but they hadn't really transitioned yet. So they sounded to me like a male and I used he and they just corrected me. I just explained. I'm like, you know what? I'm so sorry. Um, I rely on voice and they're like, hey, yeah, totally understand. You you wouldn't have known that. So I think it's a it's a combination of things for me. Yeah. I mean, now I definitely pretty much it's all about voice or, or like I said, any of those other things you can sort of pick up on by maybe the way, the sound of how somebody walks or moves. Um, and uh, John's point about like height sometimes can be a tip off, <laughs> you know, just like taller people might maybe are male, but not always. There's always exceptions. Um, mm -hmm. So do you guys remember learning about like, what did you learn about gender when you were a kid? What did you learn? What about, you know, you, your, your gender and what that meant? I think a lot of it for me was kind of more internalized. So I was never sat down and kind of taught, Hey, like, this is what men do. This is what women do. A lot of it is just in a way like exposure. Like I've constantly just been exposed to like seeing my brother wear um, a lot of like blue clothing and I wore a lot of frilly stuff before like I started picking out my own clothes I wore a lot of pink or my brother would always have action figures and toy guns and remote control cars whereas I would have dolls and like baby um taking care of like you know nursery sets and doctor kits and that's kind of what also gave me the whole like internalizing certain professions for male and female as well. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's a little bit similar. Um, in my culture, though, gender roles are very laid out. So there is only male and female, unfortunately. Um, other genders aren't really acknowledged. Um, so I was always, you know, kind of knew my quote unquote place um, as a woman um, you know, dresses, things like that. And I'm kind of, you know, I actually like having my hair short. I have it really short right now. But as a child, I actually was, um, you know, I wasn't really cutting my hair. I had it down to like my butt. So I was taught that, you know, women had like the longer hair. Um, you know, women cook, men don't, men work. Um, and also just in school too, um, kind of more like rather than looking around at all the toys because I couldn't do that because I couldn't see I was always given toys so I was just being given what they thought was best like oh here's a doll um, rather than being like here's all the toys pick one and you know I always sometimes I wonder how things would have turned out if I would have just looked around and kind of done things that way well definitely in my family too I my parents were really traditional and my mom pretty much did all the things inside the house, the, the cooking, the cleaning, you know, like making sure we had clothing and were dressed and groomed and bathed and all the things. And, and my dad was the, you know, taking care of the, the vehicles, the yard, the house, the maintenance kind of stuff. Very like I, I, a woman doesn't mow the lawn was what I thought. <laughs> That's a man's job. And both my parents worked, but they just had very distinct roles within the home. What about you, John? Yeah, so I think I have a bit of a balance of different things, like the stuff, like just as a kid, like we never, I, like I never got 
uh, you never got that explanation. It's like you, I went to Catholic school, so all the, the boys wore pants, the girls were wearing skirts and stuff. But besides that, like, like in my in my school, in my grade, we had a lot of girls that played sports and were all and were actually really tough. Like we played a lot of we we all did the same sports. Like if, if the boys were playing soccer or basketball, the, we had a group of our girls would be playing right in there with us and be they'd be hard up. They'd be just as um they'd be just as mean as some of the guys, and vice versa. There were some guys in our class that were pretty soft spoken. They're just by themselves. They would read or stuff like that. And also, I watched a lot of different kind of cartoons that had from different cut from like from. Canada, or from North America, or from Asia, that had different kind of things. Like it was like you you got your base, your normal like uh like jobs and stuff, but there would always be in some of the stuff there would always be like one of the the fight for the other side. It'd be like the female police, the male nurses, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've and even in my house, my like we have those basic things. Like my dad does all the outside stuff. My mom generally does most of the inside. But my dad still, my dad cooks just as much as my mom. And when it comes to like house stuff, my mom will do a bunch of stuff. But then since they have a bunch of kids, they just make us do that anyway. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm raising a child now and and I've been really careful to try not to push certain toys on him or encourage certain anything, right? Like I want him to just like be interested in whatever he's interested in. Um, But from a very young age, he has been obsessed with cars uh, and now he's obsessed with star Wars. It's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I I definitely wasn't, well, my husband may have influenced the star Wars thing definitely, but (laughs) certainly the cars, I mean, his first, his fascination when he was really little was just to line up rows of cards. He would say, I'm making a line. And even when we were in traffic, he'd be excited because it was a line of cars. So that's not definitely not something I taught him boys play with cars, but it's interesting, even in the gifts that people receive, you know, only, only one person gave him a doll. And said, well, I think he should have a doll. Like, why not? Right? So he did have one doll. And yeah, why why can't he have a doll? It definitely mm-hmm. when when I was a kid, you probably wouldn't give a boy a doll. But I and I, I do notice like even in shows and stuff, those gender stereotypes for professions seem to be getting better. Like you were saying, John, I see there is like a female police officer and a and a male nurse, you know, that you, you're seeing that it's almost an intentional, um, yeah, intentionally the opposite of what you would expect, which is good, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think one of the other more uh, typical stereotypes you, you might hear is like, boys don't cry. Mm. So like, even just you, when you get hurt, you don't cry. Or if you watch a sad movie, you don't cry. But like, I, I definitely cried in some movies. And even I cried at one movie, my older cousin, she kind of laughed at me. And I was like, why is that funny? He died. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> even my, some of my classmates on the playground, like I got hurt and we're all, everyone's sitting around waiting, like making sure everyone's okay. And you're like, you can, the other guys would say, it's okay to cry, man. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Um, really, it just sounds like a lot of pressure. I mean... It's kind of like, you know, women are expected to cry or be more emotional, but I feel like being a man, it just feels like a lot of pressure kind of having to do that whole like kind of be masculine thing. And 
even like there's certain things women are expected uh, to do um, that men are that can have a lot of pressure on women as well. So I feel like, you know, it can also just be taxing mentally. I, I agree. And I think it's hard um, sometimes as someone who is blind to unlearn that because we're not looking at the world around us constantly. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, when you pass houses, there might be a woman mowing the lawn. Right. You might not see that. You might just hear the hum of the motor. Yes. Right? And there's these things around the world, like, that Nika, you're saying the pressure, the pressure. Yeah, it's so true. But how do you know, as a blind individual, we're not seeing that there's now things are changing. Yes, we know things are changing. But in a tangible way, kind of putting it in front of us is, is, is a little bit challenging. Mm, like, where's the evidence? Like, where's the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really, I think that's such a good point. Um, in fact, there might be stereotypes that we don't even know because we don't see like we maybe we don't see that when we go to the hospital all the nurses are female or the majority are the of the nurses are female there's certain aspects mm-hmm. that we we might not even be aware of a gender stereotype if it wasn't something we were able to observe ourselves unless it was something we were taught which is it maybe an advantage in a way um, but on the other hand, if we are taught a stereotype, we might not know that there are exceptions because we can't see those either. Exactly. And there's some people automatically put negative connotations onto um, certain like jobs. Like most, if you, I don't know if you notice, uh, most elementary school teachers are high percentage are female. Mm-hmm. Like in, in my elementary school, between K and seven of the of those eight there only two of the teachers were male and they were only the highest grades but yep me too saying that if you if you see a male teacher in kindergarten then everyone will question it they'll be like well what's wrong with what's up with this guy and um it's it's, you get that side of for that person like yeah um my son's kindergarten teacher was male actually and i i thought that was fab fantastic i think just for my son to have that as a role model was really great too. But yeah, I, I know when I went to school, only the grade six and seven teachers mm-hmm. in my elementary school were male. Mm-hmm. Only the Three. third teacher was at my school. Mm-hmm. Another question I just thought of as we were all talking about this, um, you know, seeing stereotypes, not seeing stereotypes, and, you know, kind of talking about this. Do you guys think that when, you know, you meet someone, the names, when you guys hear names, do you think that we're taught that certain names means male and certain ma- uh, names mean female? I know Sean, you know, uh, for uh, your name, for instance, oh. stereotypically is is a male's name. Um, I absolutely grew up being told probably, I don't know, five times a week, Sean's a boy's name, like over and over and over my whole, I hated my name when I was a kid because every new person I met told me, Sean's a boy's name. That's a boy's name. And, but I was a girl. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, it like, it was, it was awful. I kind of wished that my parents and even actually, actually in grade four, there was another Sean in the class who was male and our teacher for the year called decided I would be called Shauna and he would be called oh. Sean. He oh. sat directly behind me in class because we sat alphabetically and it was too confusing for her 
for us both to have the same name. So she literally changed my name to Shauna for that whole year. And then of course, all the same kids the next year and, you know, the rest of elementary school called me Shauna, which wasn't my name. So yeah, it's, Mm. I definitely think names and there, I mean, now I love that I have a kind of gender neutral name. Um, Sometimes I used to get male addressed to Mr. Sean Marcellet. Um, I still, people do still sometimes make that assumption in, in an email communication, or they'll refer to me as dear sir or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of like the anonymity of it now, but as a kid, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I think for me too, not just my personal name, but not having anything to go off of sometimes because I can't see the person uh, sometimes I will use stereotypical, is this a male name, is this a gender neutral name or female name to kind of give me some sort of image of the person. Um, like, you know, when I heard Sean, I actually, like I had met you before, but if I hear Sean, typically I assume male. Now I don't anymore because that exception has been shown to me, but in order to make an image of a person I can't see, it's kind of helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every year I'm almost discovering like new names that can be considered gender neutral. Like I remember talking to someone named Caden and I before did assume Caden was a um, male name, but um, apparently it can be gender neutral. And I just feel like every year kind of more names are being added to that list. And that's kind of, I sometimes wonder like, will every name eventually over the course of time just be gender neutral yeah I think that's the goal right is like you should be able to give anyone a name but unfortunately stereotypes are so steadfast Mm -hmm. I also think cultures in different places in the world have a whole plethora of names that can like especially if you're here from Europe or North America like it's it's pretty easy to find the, the the standard names that are one side or the other or can be neutral. But then when you see like Asia, you get these names that first of all, like North Americans won't know some of these names. Like you, you see in Japan, there are all these names and you're not sure how. Even in even in back there, they're like, you have a girl's name, you have a guy's name. But sometimes what we don't know is the way the the way people write their names has meaning for some of the parents. So like a name like Makoto, can I, I have seen both men and women have this name, but it has a meaning to it. It's like, I don't, I can't remember what it actually means, but that's what it means to the parent. This like your, this, this part of your name means son and this means happiness. So we're going to call you that. It might sound like a girl's name, but if, hopefully they, they've explained it to their kid. Mm-hmm. But then like, I've also seen names like from India and the Middle East. It's like, you read that name and I'm like, I have no idea if this is a boy or a girl because like a lot of any, they have, they have the preet at the end, but then the first part, I'm like, you can, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Most um, names from India can be either or, and I kind of like that sometimes because, you know, it teaches, well, I mean, it should teach, um, you know, like the person on the receiving end to not kind of assume but I kind of like that um, because most of the names can actually go either way. Like my full name was Harjinder. And traditionally, if you look it up, actually, it's a boy's name. 
but everyone I've met says it sounds like a girl's name. So it's the names like in our my culture can kind of swing, even though they're meant for a specific gender. That's really interesting, given that you described the very distinct gender mm-hmm. roles, but then the names are kind of um, could go either way. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Fascinating, because like Persian names, they're very, um, well, they're not obvious if you're not part of the culture, but if you're familiar with the names, it is very much like in the binary. Like if you see Maryam, then they are a female. If you see Ahmad, then they're a male. And um, I was looking for examples to once because I was curious to see if it ever ventured outside of that. And I haven't been able to really find any evidence that um, Persian naming has gone outside of that traditional binary. It would be interesting to know in, you know, with, with a gender neutral name, if there's some intentionality, like I know my parents did not give me the name Sean because they wanted it to be ambiguous, right? <laughs> they, my mom liked the name. She actually met a woman named Sean, I think. And she liked the name and, and I was going to be Sean, whether I was a girl or a boy, uh, but it wasn't like, oh, I want her to have a stronger, more masculine girl name. Like, I know it wasn't intentional in that way, but I wonder if some people name their kids those sort of um, neutral names with that in mind. Definitely. I've I've heard that people do that. Like, some people will name their kid Max. Um, right. Because it's a gender neutral name because they're, you know, hope, hoping that you know this kid you know could be a bit more ambiguous when they're applying for jobs and mm-hmm. i know some people just do that so that the kid can decide when they're older if they which, which of the many genders they fit into yeah um yeah it's definitely quite interesting i would hope that like at least when i think about it if i ever have a kid i would like to because most parents have a yeah like they do different reasons i would like to at least give the kid or my kid a name that I would like, I would sound, I would, I would like, yeah, I would like if it sounds good. And like, what's nice when university, the nice thing is when you, they actually ask you how you'd like to be Referred known as. To. Even I think, I think sometimes they did it in high school, in my high school. They would ask, especially when you have a lot of people that have the same name, when you have a couple of Johns and Jonathans or mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And you're like, do you have a preferred name? Do you want to use your middle name? Like, it's like, I've always wondered, like, I could I could mess around with some of you guys and start introducing myself as Christopher because it's in my, <laughs> in my home. no one would know. I was like, who's Christopher? Yeah. I know that they're <laughs> starting to do that now, actually. Um, you know, as things are progressing, like even in the younger grades and high school, they're trying to be more inclusive of that and like asking people what they like their preferred name or nickname or stuff like that. My friend who we call Nika, her actual name is Henny. And for the longest time, I didn't even know. I didn't know that. None of us knew that. We, like she, when she introduced herself in high school, she just said Nika. And, but it says on her, on the sheet, it's like, I think it said a Henny. And she got, like, I don't think anyone actually knew that, but maybe the teachers might have maybe read there, or maybe she just put it there as, as that. So it's not like Henny is still, I guess, can be either or, but I, I can't remember if Nika's a nickname or her nickname, or I'm not sure. It also totally throws me off whenever I hear someone like, say my name like say my name and then it's not just for you 
<laughs> in reference to someone else you mean well because like at fine beginnings meetings like john you you were mentioning like oh my friend nika and i'm like wait we never did that together what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> so it's rare that someone else has your name um yeah so i actually know um two people who have my name and one of them i haven't even really met in person i just heard of them um i don't know if it's particularly common in my culture but it's not as common as other female names I've heard. Hmm. I wouldn't even know what that's like. I feel like when I'm out in the world and I hear, hi, Sean, or what, you know, I'm like, it's probably not, they're probably not even talking to me <laughs> because there's just Sean's everywhere. <laughs> what about, do you think there are, is it harder to be a blind male or a blind female or are there advantages or different challenges for different genders related to blindness? I feel like for me, when I was, you know, when I was thinking about as a teenager, thinking about potentially dating and when I grew up, it was, I mean, and, and in my family, my dad always drove. I mean, my mom drove, but if we were going somewhere as a family, my dad drove. And on TV, the man always picked up the woman for a date. That was just what happened. So I kind of felt like, well, being blind isn't maybe going to be as big of a problem in that regard, because there wouldn't be the expectation that I would have to pick up my date in a car. Whereas if I was male, I would maybe feel that. I don't know, John, do you feel that at all? I, feel, I definitely feel something like that. The, for, yeah, the fact that I can't drive mm -hmm. is definitely one thing. And also, like, I can't go to a bar and just pick up random people. It's like, it's right for both sides. You can't, it's hard to do that regardless. But I do feel it's like, hmm, how am I going to meet people that, without having to use these? all these apps and stuff. And like, I don't like doing that. I prefer, I like to meet people and just talk to people, but yeah, you can't just for either. You can't just go into a bar. It's like, I also think like, unless I got a guide dog from what I'm hearing from some of the other guys that have dogs, girls will immediately come up and start talking to their dog. It's like an automatic opener. Like <laughs> girls don't generally come up to a guy with a cane and be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. How long have you had your cane? What's its name? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> no, no, there's definitely that. I'm like, I've heard from plenty of the guys who guide dogs. It's like, man, you just walk around the block and girls start talking to you. I'm like, mm, maybe I should get a guide dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think for me, as in terms of dating, um, as someone who um, doesn't follow the traditional dating rules, I think I like that. I'm a little bit more like I don't have to kind of feel like I need to kind of rely more on a male because with your blindness, you kind of already have to do that. So I kind of like that because I'm not following the traditional dating rules and I might not date a male um, that it's kind of like, oh, like it's more of a we're both on the same level. Um, whereas sometimes with your blindness, you're, you're kind of a sighted person, you're kind of not. So as if I'm with another female, it's kind of like, okay, there's something that we kind of clicked on that we kind of both have um, that kind of makes things actually easier as like a blind female. Hmm. Well, an area where I feel like I don't measure up as a female, um, it's not really related to my blindness, but I don't cook. And 
I, I feel like there's still this expectation that in that the mother, the wife cooks. So in a male, female marriage, that's the, the woman's job. And partly because that's how I was raised, but anytime that I meet, and I do know lots of people who are in relationships where the man does most of the cooking. And I just celebrate that every time, like, okay, I'm not the only one. And for the record, my husband likes cooking, <laughs> but I will not lie. It was part of my criteria when I was dating was to find somebody who enjoyed cooking because I just don't. So, but I do feel sometimes like I'm not as, as good of a woman or as good of a wife or because that's not, that's not a strength for me. It's just not, it's not something mm -hmm. I enjoy. And I, so I don't do a lot of it. I think there's also in a way, depending on what groups you're in, also a lot of shame in a way for being the quote, perfect woman or whatever. Like, um, I'm in a, like a few kind of gender rights equality groups and there is a lot of shaming going on for people who fit into the stereotype because like a lot of people say oh you're perpetuating the stereotype but that can also be problematic because it's like why is it why is this particular thing being demonized and a lot of times it's more acceptable for women or females to be kind of tomboys or into the um sporty kind of stuff whereas it's a lot um there's a lot more discrimination when males are into the quote feminine kind of stuff and then there's a lot of shaming of women who are into that kind of stuff as well and that's kind of another way that like stereotypical female things are being put down by society mm, like the cooking yeah you know that makes me think one of the disadvantages i feel like being a blind woman is the pressure of your physical appearance as a woman. So like, like fashion and makeup and, you know, it, this, this sort of um, expectation to be attractive, right. To be physically attractive, to like make an effort with your appearance. I feel like that's, if a man could wear, and I don't know that. And again, I guess being blind, I don't, I don't sometimes know all the rules even of like what people wear or don't wear or allowed to or not. But I feel like if a man wore the same thing to work, you know, maybe like rotated three shirts <laughs> all the time, nobody would even notice. But if a woman does that, I feel like people would notice, right? There's mm -hmm. this, we're mm -hmm. supposed to have a wardrobe and, and people pay attention to what we wear and does it match? And is it in mm -hmm. style? And do we accessorize and all of the things and is our hair styled? Is it not, you know, just all of that. And I, I really, in that regard, like I was grateful when my son was born and he was male because I didn't have to worry about maybe I shouldn't have to worry anyways, but I just knew it would be easier. Yeah. I wouldn't have to consider yeah. all of that with him. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of it too, I think, is advertisement. Like I read somewhere that um, women or females um, before the age of 10 are exposed to something like 50, over 50,000 different types of subliminal advertising about beauty standards. Mm -hmm. And like even like with men and sports and um, kind of their stereotype tends, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is the whole like protein powder and being like jacked muscles. Like that's kind of their thing that's forced mm -hmm. on them by advertisements. 
Yeah. And if, if you're hearing all those beauty standard messaging and you don't, you can't see like our version of beautiful might not be what society or the media's version of beautiful totally. is, right? And like maybe people call me out on that too, Sean. Like, you yeah. know, I, I wore sweatpants to high school because I, like I said, I'm, I'm a woman, but gender to me and gender expression, like the, how you dress, is, like we said in the beginning, is totally different. But I had people tell me, you, you just can't dress like that. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to change your, your color. And even though it's the same color, or, or sorry, even though it's the different colors and it's the same pants, like you can't do that. And I feel like there's a lot of that pressure, especially when you're blind. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not because I'm blind that I'm dressing that way and I don't know what I'm doing. It's because yes, I just don't want to. Like, I just want to wear what I want to wear. That's interesting because I think everyone will always think it's because I'm blind and I'm dressing right? that way. And I, yeah. that's so much pressure on me all the time. I worry about it all the time. Like, what am I, am I dressed appropriately? Do I fit in, in this environment? If I don't, are people assuming it's because I'm blind? And, but then sometimes the style is not something I like at all. And I, I just don't want to wear that, but I'm told this is what's in style. And so I feel this pressure to dress a certain way <laughs> to be fashionable when it's not even something that I like. And I, I don't know if, if that's an experience for a sighted woman, do they wear things they don't like just cause they're in style? I think a lot of this stems from kind of the whole I've been told before, like being visually impaired automatically makes you an ambassador for the blind community. Like I've been told, like being part of a minority group automatically makes you a spokesperson. And I think that's where a lot of the pressure comes from. And I started loosening up a bit about like sweatpants and stuff in grade 12. I started wearing those and I kind of basically told myself that I don't represent the whole blind community and it that I don't need to have any pressure and it shouldn't reflect badly on the blind community if I decide to wear sweatpants to school if I have a swim practice before or something like that's just what I happen to want to wear that oh you know here's one so I know women who commute will Mm -hmm. I know they'll they'll bring their shoes so if they're wearing you know they they want to wear dress shoes when they get to the office but they'll wear runners or sneakers or something because they're Mm -hmm. walking to work, for example, or walking to the train. Um, I know that happens, but I refuse to do it. I feel like if I am wearing a skirt, which is very rare, but if I am and I wore runners while I was walking down the sidewalk to the train on my way to work, I, I worry that everybody would be like, oh, of course she's wearing runners because she probably can't wear heels because she, her balance probably isn't good because she's exactly. blind. Exactly. <laughs> and to, to answer your question before too, Sean, like um, sighted women, I know a lot of people actually my friends because I've started talking to him about this most of them say they just wear what they want and it's just because we're not really seeing that all around but a lot of people dress many different ways now um like I have a friend who dresses very masculine because they like to dress very masculine that's just who they are um so I think it's like a little bit of both now it's like people are dressing many different like ways but we just don't really know it yeah I think that it go, it does go both ways because there are guys that want to always dress fancy all the time, and mm-hmm. I do have a friend like that, and I'm like, dude, we're we're just going to McDonald's. 
<laughs> and it's like it's like some people just like to dress fancy it's like and for or there are those people that are really into fashion they have to wear it and then most other people will just wear what they want because it's like you have a reason like it's for work it's comfortable you're gonna do this later but also back to the dating part it's like you the gir girls might have do have to do all that stuff that you've said but ultimately there's two sides to who gets to pick who's dating who and who's going out with who because even if a girl's wearing a fantastic dress her hair looks great if a guy just comes up to her and she says no what are you going to do about it and it's like if he she doesn't like the way you're, i think it, go, it does should go both ways just like it does in the animal kingdom if she doesn't like you you're not going to get anywhere if she, and if he doesn't like you you're not going to get anywhere and like i have been like even when i've gone out clubbing with some friends like I'm like, I'm not just like, I don't know what I'm wearing. Like, I, I literally have these specific black. It's like, okay, these are my, these are my clubbing jeans. They're, they're streak black. They're like this. And I got this shirt and I got this jacket. I'm like, this is what I wear when I go clubbing. Because this is what she told me to wear. I'm like, all right. Because I don't know what I'm doing out here. And when I, when I see my friends, I just like, I've stopped wearing all like my, like all these just hoodies and stuff. Like I can wear, try and wear something that looks a little bit more presentable, but I'm still comfortable. I'm not always wearing slacks and stuff. It also depends on the weather, I guess. But I did like in high school because I went to a Catholic school. I didn't have to worry about what I was wearing that day because we got a uniform. I'm putting that on. I'm like, all right, let's go. Oh, I wish there was a uniform for life. I know, right? <laughs> and just, you wonder if we'd all just, it'd just be so different too. I think some, even in university, some people literally just wore the same, like you, uh, I cycled through the same things. Like I'm wearing, it almost felt like high school. I'm going to wear these pants all week unless it gets super hot or super cold. Where, mm -hmm. like I'm just like cycling through shirts I'm still wearing this jacket because it's cold outside it's sunny. like I like this jacket I don't care <sighs> yeah the fact that you you have a clubbing uniform like I feel <laughs> like if a girl did that and she always wore the same thing every time every weekend her friends would be like what's up with you you need some new clothes well I don't know if it's that too because like all the dang romantic comedies and stuff I watched like ever like the, the girls have like your little black dress and everyone was like if you have there's a reason you're going out to wear this today or it's like everyone's got people have like their yeah some people have their set uniforms or whatever yeah unless you're buying new stuff all the time it's like oh i'm gonna wear this again it's like as long as it looks like it looks clean and neat and it's like unless you're going to the exact same bar every time and everyone has the if all the strangers yeah. wear, like, okay, so that's, <laughs> but then styles yeah. change and that that thing that you loved that was like hot last year is now out i still wear it and or nobody it. maybe or, you don't know it's out though like or is it vintage do you then you look different from everyone else and people are like oh whoa what's that i don't know that that works when you're blind if you I look different but i just from... do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> because why but this is why it's fashion what i do is i wear what i want and then every year i look at the trends pick and choose which ones i want to keep and kind of go through if there's anything i don't like in anymore I'll like give away but for the most part I just use a combination of doing research but also basically not caring at all like mm -hmm. I have a skirt that has watermelons on it or one that's covered in spaceships and planets does it maybe look childish maybe does it look out there and weird yes do I still wear it and think I look amazing in it absolutely uh, yeah but these are the things people are people are more and more people are doing that nowadays too like i i really wish i could wear more bright colors but i know i'm gonna look childish but that's just part of my part of my I personality 
It's funny you um, say, like, my friend Nika, she's going to turn 30 later this year. But if she had it her way, she'd be wearing pink all the time. Yep. I think that's, like, when you, you see gender as, it's hard for people because it's just another one of those things up there. It's like, what's your political view? What's your religious stance? What's your gender? What's this and that? It's hard for people to figure these things out, especially right now. And then there's also cancel culture and all these other things going on. You, it's hard for people. I thought it's just the, the only thing you can really say. It's like try and figure yourself out, and that's why there there are good parts to all that. Even even religion has so many ups and downs. And as someone who grew up and went to religious school, it's like I can see the parts here that are good in all what they're trying to do. But as a person who studies a lot of history and loves history, I can see where a lot of this problem stem from. And it's kind of people that you have, it's hard. You got to pick and choose and try and make yourself who you want to be. And hopefully you're making yourself into a person that's a respectable person to other people, at least to a, a point where you're not going to be doing really bad things. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking about kids growing up that are blind or partially sighted. Are there... Do you have any advice of mm -hmm. sort of how to express gender, learn about gender? Um, I don't know, understand gender. I think if you have a child who's blind, don't teach them what you think they should know about gender based on how they were born or what you think they should know. Teach them everything. Teach them everything from all sorts of different types of attire and dressing styles to all sorts of different types of toys, give them a mixture and let them decide. Because as a blind child, you're not really looking at the visual world around you. So make sure you give them that exposure that they're missing out on. Yeah. I will and, mute myself. <laughs> and I would also add to that as well, like make sure um, you're not pressuring them. Like there's a lot of kind of in the career and corporate world about shattering the glass ceiling and it's like you need to shatter the glass ceiling and you need to prove um your disability and you need to work extra hard um just to be at the same level of everyone else and i think just you know not shedding so much light on their differences but just kind of you know treating them as equal i think is super key as well my last quick note is i like the idea from what I learned from Miss Frizzle in the Magic School Bus, if you have questions, ask questions and keep asking questions until you get answers. And if you're trying to teach blind kids and youth about things, ask them if they have questions and that you'll that you, they will be answered. And if you don't have the answer, you'll go find the answer for them or you'll help them find the answers. I like I like the idea of asking questions like you've got a child that's blind even like what what is a girl what is a boy like just to find out what their perception of that is already because then you kind of figure out oh wow they really have have kind of hooked on to these two things and maybe I do need to do a little more work to let them know that a girl can be more than that right well, this has been a very interesting conversation. Thanks, you guys. I wasn't really sure where this conversation was going to take us, but I think I think it's been great. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. I was glad to be here. Yeah, thanks to everybody. It was definitely a very informative and interesting discussion.
Yep. Thanks for having the fun discussion. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Like and subscribe, share with your friends, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.